Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. Now, how many of you know as we start off this morning, many people have a wrong concept of who God is. If your God is someone strange or weird or you have a wrong concept about him, your life will take a different course to someone who knows a right concept of God. If you think God is just all love and grace and mercy and, and that he never judges, well, then you'll just live your life slack. But if you believe God is a judge and he's about to smash you at any moment, you'll live in fear and you'll probably withdraw from him. So a sound, balanced understanding of who God is is extremely important. And most people don't have that and they blame God for things in their lives that they shouldn't blame him for. Let me give you a couple of instances here. Philip Yancey is a wonderful author and he told a story in one of his books of how when Princess Diana died, the television station called him up and one of the reporters knew him very well and he said to him, can you appear on our show? And he said, yeah, sure. And he said, the, 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 the reporter said this. He said, we want you to explain how God could possibly allow such a terrible accident. What a question. God wasn't driving. <laughs> and again, at the 1994 Olympics, a speed skater by the name of Dan Jansen, he'd been trying and trying to win medals, and it was out on the ice, and he was about to, to, to do well when his hand scraped the ice. If your hand touches the ice, that's it. And so he was disqualified, and his wife, Robin, was there when it happened, and the crowd let out a cry. She shouted out from the sidelines, and she said, why God again? God can't be that cruel. God didn't touch the ice. <laughs> Dr. James Dobson from Focus on the Family got a letter from a young lady who had been through some difficulty and she wrote him a letter and she said this. She said, four years ago, I was dating a man and became pregnant. I was devastated. I asked God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? <laughs> you don't need to ask God, just ask me. Don't you know how these things happen? It's amazing how we think God is out to get us. Or we expect him to do things that he's not supposed to do. In a boxing match, some time back, uh, Ray Boom Boom, as he's known, Mancini, was fighting against the Korean opponent and he connected so well with the side of his head that the man had a cerebral hemorrhage and fell down dead in the ring. Terrible tragedy. Well, they had a news conference straight after, as they usually do, and uh, Mancini was interviewed, and this is what he said at the press conference. He said, sometimes I wonder why God does the things he does. You hit him. <laughs> then Susan Smith, some of you may remember the terrible tragedy where this woman took her two children, put them in a car, let the handbrake off, and let it go into a lake. Then on top of that, to make it worse, blamed a black hijacker, bringing reproach on a population group and trying to tarnish someone, eventually, thank God, she was caught and caught out. But when they interviewed her, this is what she said. She said, I dropped to the lowest point when I allowed my children to go down that ramp into the water without me. I took off running and screaming, oh God, oh God, no, what have I done? Why did you let this happen? Was God supposed to pull up the handbrake? No, you're responsible as a mother. And it's amazing how we view God. In fact, let me give you this last illustration here this morning. There's a book that's been written, and they did research. It's called The Theories of Illness. 
And what they did in this book was they went to different tribes, in fact, 139 tribes all around the world, and they asked them about illness. What did you think about illness? And how what's your view of illness? 139 of the 139 tribal groups that they asked about illness, listen to this, 137 perceived illness as a sign of God's disapproval. So if you got sick, you got a virus, you got a cold, God was unhappy with you, and he was probably poking you with a needle saying, there you go. What's your view of God? Do you believe God's good or God's bad? Do you believe God's harsh or God's kind? What is your actual view of God? Because it will determine what you receive from him and your joy in your life will be determined with how you view God. Now, before I give you the title this morning, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, it, it is possible to, to, sorry, it is impossible to keep our moral practices sound and our inward attitudes right, while our idea of God is erroneous or inadequate. If we would bring back spiritual power to our lives, we must begin to think of God more nearly as he is. Take a moment to pause there. If you want to live right and have power in your life, you need to have a right understanding of who God is. So this morning I want to teach you on the goodness of God. It's New Year, it's the beginning of a year. You say, well, point us in the right direction. I'll tell you what, if you knew the goodness of God, you'd be full of expectation that good things are gonna happen and that God is good and that he's on your side. But if you've got a wrong concept of God, you can have the biggest dreams you like and they'll come to nothing because secretly you believe, I'm not sure. Are you with me? Our performance is not what counts, it's the goodness of God that counts. Now, A.W. Tozer went on to say this, he said, with the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? Let me read that again. With the goodness of God that desires our highest welfare, I love that, the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? But it starts with the goodness of God, knowing he cares about me. Now he's got plans for me, and his power will bring them about. We've got to understand the goodness of God. Because you know what? The world is so bad that we look at people and we measure God's goodness by people. But the word good, if you take God out of good, you're left with... <laughs> you all catch that? Something like, huh? <laughs> the word good, G-O-O-D. Take God out of it and you're left with naught. Come on now. Everything good comes from God. He's the source. And I want to build a bit of a picture here because in a moment I'll give you 10 things about the goodness of God. And I will finish. Because <laughs> I want to corner you from every side and get you to think about who God really is. We've got a strange idea about God. Let me, let me relate it to you like this. In 1988, there was a man called Steve Dorner. He was a, um, a computer programmer and he invented the internet system called Eudora. And uh, it was one of the early systems. By 1997, they had 18 million people on it. I mean, today, internet uh, email is just a normal thing. But he had 18 million people. And the company that ran that email, he worked for it. And he personally was responsible for those 18 million clients. The New York Times interviewed him because it was a big phenomenon, you know, e email and so on. And they asked him about it. And he said, the days when I think every one of those 18 million people thinks I'm wrong, stupid, or out to get them. 
And then you know, when I read that, I wonder what God feels like. Does he feel that every day we think he's either wrong, stupid, or out to get us? Because that's the wrong concept you can get when the program for your life doesn't seem to work out. See, when the program for your life doesn't work out, don't blame the one who authored it. Look at yourself and maybe look at other reasons, but don't start blaming God. No, no, he's the designer. He's good. The guy who invented the email started out with a good idea. And we've got to get a grasp on the goodness of God. Jerry Bridges is an author, and he said this. He said the very first temptation in the history of mankind, listen to this, was the temptation to be discontent. Isn't that true? Adam and Eve had everything, but they were discontent. And then he says this. He says that is exactly what discontent is, a questioning of the goodness of God. You see, the devil came and said to her, you know, God's keeping something from you. He's not really good. Didn't look at all the good that God was doing. Looked at what he was keeping. And that's wrong. That's discontent. We need to get a right concept. So a couple of verses here as we kick off this morning. Psalm 145, verse 3 to 9. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another they tell of your mighty acts. So this talks about God's power, but God isn't just all power. Notice what it says. They celebrate your abundant goodness, abundant goodness, and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. I love this. The Lord is good to all. Can I just say, even undeserving people. And he has compassion on all he has made. You gotta know who God is. He's a good God. Then to Chronicles chapter six and verse 41, Solomon says, may your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation, that's us. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Are you celebrating his abundant goodness? Are you rejoicing in his goodness? Or have you got secret doubts? Well, I'm not sure about me. I know for you, but not for me. You need to know God is good even to the undeserving. Can you say amen? And then that famous verse or passage of Psalm that we keep forgetting, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Doesn't it tell us there that surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life? Why do we forget it? We should wake up in the morning and we should declare it over our lives and remember the goodness of God. Let me give you 10 things this morning. Number one, the first thing you need to know is God is good and he gives good things. Let's not get caught up in the prosperity teaching that is in error. And can I just say this? Every teaching that there is has also error being taught about it. The grace of God is a brilliant teaching, but some are teaching it in error. Prosperity is a Bible doctrine, but some have taken it too far. Let's not throw everything out. Let's take the too far and throw that away. Healing, there's a doctrine and a truth about healing. But let's not take it too far when people die. Let's not talk nonsense. Let's understand the truth about healing. Are you with me? And here it promises that God gives us good things, stuff. What good things do you need today? Because God is good. And he gives good things. I love this, Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. 
The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Notice, not nothing, lack nothing, they lack no good thing. I like that. My, I like that. And you know, we need to taste. Because sometimes you can be in the midst of goodness and not know it. I was reading an interesting thing. The Amazon River is uh, the longest river in the world. Some would dispute that, but it is. And uh, at the mouth of the Amazon River, it's 320 kilometers wide. He said, well, how wide is that? That's from Johannesburg to Sun City and back. That's how wide it is. Now, can you imagine? Do you know 20% of the world's fresh water comes out of the Amazon into the sea? 209,000 cubic meters per second. That's a lot of water. As a result, do you know where the fresh water reaches in the sea? 160 kilometers. So if you're 50 kilometers from here to Pretoria offshore, you can let down a bucket and drink fresh water. But sailors and explorers who were just 20 kilometers off the coast didn't know that and died of, of thirst. You can be floating in the goodness of God, but never taste it. It's time you knew it and enjoyed it. And the Bible repeats this over and over. Joshua reminds the children of Israel. I want to get this point across to you this morning. Notice here in Joshua 23 what Joshua says. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one fulfilled. Not one failed. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, then he goes on to warn them. Can you see good promises and good things? Are you living on the good promises? Or do you secretly think, mm, in my case, he's probably waiting to, he's, he's, God's like a robber around the corner. As soon as I'm going to clap me. No, you would need to believe. He's not, this, he's, not, he's not like an old man at a retirement village. When he hears a noise outside, he comes out with his cane. God is a father who, like on the 24th of December, is just waiting to see your face when he gives you good things. Come on. Number two, the second thing is what God creates is good. Do you know that God created the whole world in the book of Genesis chapter one? You read from three through to 31, and it says he created, and he made, and he created, and he created, and he created, and when you watch the History Channel, and they say evolved, you say created. They tell me a chameleon evolved. Do you know a chameleon's tongue, do you know how fast it comes out? It comes out at 46 Gs. That's more than, more than a, a Formula One car. And, it, and the tongue is designed over a particular bone so it can slide out, and then as it slides, it curves into a suction. Uh, if it evolved, what was it doing before that? <laughs> and how did it get that far without all that specialized equipment? God created, and he said it was good. And then he made man, and then he says this, verse 31, it is very good. So let me tell you this. When you look at your life and you see defects or weakness, it didn't come from God, it came from the fall. If you've got issues in your life, he didn't make you with issues. Those issues came from a dysfunctional family where maybe there wasn't enough love and support and you didn't have the word. Those things came to you as a result of this planet. But God is good and makes good. And even if you've got a disability, God didn't say, I'm gonna make you 
disabled, blind, so that you, no, 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 God creates everything. We're living in a world that's fallen, but God's works are always perfect. When it comes to this planet, by the way, we are so negative. Every news broadcast and every little child that's just barely out of nappies is telling us how to run the world. There's this paranoia about the, 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 the waters are rising. I, I talk to people, the water levels are rising. Well, did you ever read about the vast amount of science that tells us the continents are sinking? Oh, read. <laughs> Don't speak with authority and negativity before you've read. And we talk about this world. The, 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 what's your view of this planet? Is, is it a negative view? We need to have a positive view of God's creation. He made this world. He knows how long he wants it to run. And if it's heating up, I'm not surprised. Did you know the center is molten, molten uh, lava? Every now and again, poof, it comes out. We're like, surprised. Why did that happen? Well, the whole inside is hot. And then you want to blame my V8. Stop it. People say, oh, we need to go for renewable energy. It's all the coal you're burning. Do you know that if you wanted to, can I just tell you this? If you wanted to power the UK, the whole of the UK with those wind, you know those windmills? And with solar panels, you would need the whole of North Africa to put those windmills up and those solar panels out. So it ain't gonna happen. Can add a little bit here and there, but it's not the answer. God knew what he was doing when he put all these things on the planet. You can have a Christian view of this stuff. Now, I don't say just be reckless. You have a Christian view. Otherwise, this planet's a terrible place full of storms and disease. That's what atheists think. If there's a God, why are there storms and diseases and bacteria and AIDS? And why is there so much trouble and pain? There's so much evil. How can there be a God? There's so much good. So much good. There must be a God. I mean, you look at things like bacteria, by the way, there are 24,000 types of basic bacteria. Only 100 are harmful to human beings. You need bacteria to digest your food. Your immune system needs bacteria in order to function properly. So bacteria is important. When it comes to storms and things on the planet, they're a little bit extreme, but they say in India, if it wasn't for those typhoons that come through, they'd never ever have rain. And you've got to accept a little bit of a challenge. Have you ever seen a high felt storm? There's a bit of wind. Can't go out and say, God, all the leaves in my garden, what a mess. <laughs> no, we thank him that the pool filled up. There's water in the dams, but we're so negative. Everything's wrong with God, and we think we're so clever. We've got to realize the goodness of God in giving us, despite our nature, despite our problems, we twist everything. Man gets hit over the head with a baseball bat. Where was God? Well, God made the wood. He didn't intend it to be a bat to hit on the head. He meant it to be to build things. He meant it to make fire to keep you warm. But someone took it and turned it in. Oh, God should have turned it into a sponge. No, he should have turned you into a dead person. That's what he should have done. Are you with me? We've got to be so careful. People have accidents. I had an accident, I broke my leg. Why did God let it happen? Well, he made your leg light and strong. Yeah, but why did it break? Now I'm off work for three. Why did God? Now God made it light so that you could jump and walk, but he didn't make it so strong so that you could have an accident. Do you want legs that are accident proof? You won't be able to walk. They'll be like tree stumps, three steps. <sighs> 
So you'll never break, but you won't live. Let's start praising God for who we are, how we've been made, how this planet's been made. Number three, what God has in mind for us is good. Is this helping anyone today? When God sent Israel into the wilderness, they didn't think he was good. They just saw the problems. And you mustn't look at the problems in your life and think God is bad. He's got good in mind. In Numbers chapter 14, it was only two spies out of 12 that saw that God had good in mind. Let me read it to you. It says, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey and give it to us. How I many you know God's got good things in mind? And you need to just trust him until you get there. The psalmist, after 400 years later, he, he had not experienced, uh, sorry, he, he had experienced it and seen Israel experience it. Notice here in Psalm 31, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. Listen to me, when life is bad, don't call it God. Life can suck, but God is good. And he's got good things in mind. In 2020, in the year ahead, you need to believe that God is good and that he's got good things that he wants to do for you. Not bad things, good things. In Philemon, Paul writes to Philemon and he talks to him about what we have in Christ. And he kind of tells him not to be afraid. And he says to Philemon, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand, there's the key, and experience, watch, all the good things we have in Christ. Can you see that you'll be able to give and be generous to others because you know behind you there's a God who's supplying. All these things will come upon you and overtake you. Why? Because God is good. So if I give money and I give kindness, I can expect God to replace it. But when you don't know the goodness of God, you hold on to everything. Trying to get my money in these big churches. That's a small way of thinking. Number four, you're still with me. Now watch this. Who God is, is what God does. God does good because he is good. And you need to understand that God can't do that which is opposite to his nature. Psalm 119 verse 68, you are good and do only good. See, God's, it, let's not blame God for the free will of people and the crime. He didn't do that. He is good and he does good. People are evil. That's why evil happens. And God doesn't step in because he has given us a free will. And it's amazing how we mess our lives up and then we blame God. Proverbs 19, verse 3, a person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. Don't be like that. Acknowledge your own failures and troubles. Say, I messed up. I lost my job. I messed up my marriage. I damaged my kids. I had an accident. Don't, say, don't drive looking at your phone. Then you have an accident. Lord, why didn't you show me? No, why didn't you look up? Let's not make it his issue. I had an accident. Gosh, look at the damage. What an idiot. I need to pay attention. I need to drive slower. Whatever it is. But I don't blame God. I, I, I would say, thank you, Lord, I'm still alive. God is good. And he does good. Hmm? 
Psalm 116 and verse 5. The Lord is merciful and good. That's who he is. Our God is compassionate. Be confident, my heart, because the Lord has been good to me. What can I offer to the Lord for all his goodness to me? Can you see the psalmist is talking about it as a reality? He's been so good. I'll tell you what, church, in my life, God has been amazingly good. Have I had trouble? Plenty. Have I had challenges? Plenty. Have I had tragedy? Oh, yes. But God is still good. Number five. Number five, and this is probably sounds elementary to you, but Jesus came to show us God's goodness. See, a lot of people think Jesus came to bring more laws, more regulations. No, he came to show us who God really is. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. And it tells us that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Surely if he's God's son, he's going to reflect God. And he was God's son, so he showed the goodness of God by healing people. He didn't heal to show, hey, check out powerful, watch this. Watch this, disciples, check, check me. Check me, I'm going to put sockets in his eyes. Do you see that? I'm amazing, huh? Don't forget to write that down. No, no, Jesus wasn't self-absorbed, egotistic spiritual leader. He simply came to fix and help. And he did miracles because that's God's goodness sped up. Some people want to live by miracles. No, you can't. You have to do the hard yards. Because miracles are just everything condensed. And God is good. Think of the very first miracle of Jesus. Water into wine. Total luxury. If I was standing, I'd be like, Lord, I think bread would have been a better idea. <laughs> These people have been feasting. It's been like a whole day. They finished the wine, Lord. Now you make more. It's because God is good. So I love what this, uh, what this president said, Benjamin Franklin. And people usually quote him when they've got no, no one else to quote. But he said this. It's not on the screen. He said, we hear of the conversion of water into wine at the marriage in Cana as a miracle. But this conversion is through the goodness of God made every day before our eyes. Behold the rain which descends from the heaven upon the vineyards and which incorporates, incorporates itself into the grapes. To be changed into wine is a constant proof that God loves us and he loves to see us happy. Now the happy you need to just... But can you see God is good? He's not just giving you basics. Just think of a taste in your mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, God could have given you a hole. Well, it is a hole, but he could have just, nothing there. When you're hungry, it's just a brrr, noise. Brrr, brrr, okay. No noise? Okay. No, he's like, sweet, sour. Mm, mm, a bit of, bit of this, a little bit of that. Ooh, bit of that. Ooh, bit of, bit of that. Ooh, ooh, a bit of, ooh. Ah. It's the goodness of God. You need to enjoy the goodness of God. And Jesus came to show God's goodness, not God's laws. He didn't come beat us with another stick. Number six, because God is good, he shows mercy, not justice. He shows mercy, not justice. You see, some of us, we get irritated with the justice of God because God eventually gets to the end. Let me explain this to you. It's very important to understand. Do you know that when you read the Old Testament, it's called the Old Covenant, Old Agreement. 
God had an old agreement with Israel. If you do good, I'll bless you. If you do bad, I'll mung you. Simple. So every time they did bad, bah! So when we read it, we're like, oh, oh my word, that's me. <sighs> Nothing's happened yet, but it's coming. <laughs> and then we read again, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> you know when you pray like that, Jesus, <laughs> then you know there's real trouble. Because most times it's thank you, Jesus. But when there's trouble, Jesus. <laughs> and so we think God's operating under the old covenant of justice. But he's not. The new covenant's one of mercy. When you fail and you turn to me, I'll forgive you. When you fail and you turn to me, I'll forgive you. And when you get to heaven and you're not relying on your own works, you're relying on my son, I will let you into heaven with mercy, not what you justly deserve. Now watch. See, I'll give you an illustration of this so we can understand this. Very important. There's a university professor. He had a class of students, 150 of them. And at the beginning of the year, he told them, you're going to have three assignments. Through the year, I'm going to give you the dates, like March, July, and then September, so you know. And I'm going to give you three assignments. So he gave them the first assignment. And in March, kind of, he told him, this is now, it's due. Out of the 150, 90 handed in their assignments, and 60 of them were late. He then showed mercy. Oh, you're still young. You've only been in university three months. This is not high school. You're going to have to learn to be self-motivated. Thanks, prof. Then he set them a second assignment and he warned them, you need to get this in on time. Now they're learning. So the second assignment comes in and 120 of them bring the assignment on time. But there's 30 who don't. And he says to them, I'm gonna let you off this time. I'm gonna show mercy. Then he sets the third assignment. But before he sets the third assignment, he says this, if you don't bring the third assignment on time, I'm going to give you F for all three. Woo. Well, it comes to the third assignment, and 140 of them have woken up, and they bring it on time. But 10 are late, and he gives them F for all three. They go to the student body. They protest. They print it in the student magazine. They burn tires. They dance in the street, and they complain. But they forget that they were shown mercy but now that justice is due, they can't handle it, yet they deserve it. See, this is what people say. If there's a loving God, how can he send people to hell? Well, through their entire life, he's showing mercy, mercy, mercy. He sent his son, mercy, mercy, mercy. Then when it's over, justice. What's so difficult about that? See, it's like this. You come late but we show mercy. <laughs> we don't lock the gates on the hour. We don't stand there and say, this is just and right. <laughs> it's like the, the comrades, you know, the guy turns his back with a gun because he doesn't want to go, come, come, come quickly. 10 seconds over, okay. No, it's got to be just for everybody. No, no, we don't, we don't lock the gate on the hour. We don't stand there with a the key. Sorry, I can't see you. <laughs> no, we give you 15 minutes. Then sometimes when the traffic's bad, we give you 20 minutes. Then when you forget that the time at Rivers has changed, we give you half an hour. But then you start living in mercy. Then one day you come and the gate's locked 15 minutes and you're annoyed because there's justice. 
can see the balconies not cheering as loud as downstairs. <laughs> Are you understanding the concept, church? Jokes aside? Because I hear people constantly complaining that God isn't good because He's just. No, that's why He is good. Because He's just, but He's got mercy. And He shows us His mercy most of the time. Number seven, God is good even when our lives aren't. See, your experience must not be the way you measure God's goodness. You need to look at God's goodness, not through the lens of your experience, but the lens of the word of God. And if you're not experiencing God's goodness, don't call God bad. You just haven't experienced it yet. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you need to understand something about the Lord. The things he does, he doesn't do quickly, he does them slowly. Now, here's what I think we need to do. We need to understand, and in the meeting this morning, Pastor Deb mentioned this, the story of Job. Do you know that Job experienced a lot of bad things in his life? Family, business, health challenges. But you know what he did? He kept holding on to the fact that God was good. His friends said, no, God can't be good. You can't be good. God can't be good. His wife said, curse God and die. He said, no, God's good. And no matter what happens, in the end, I'll, I'll, I'll see him in my body. And what happened in the end? God was good. And God blessed him and God gave him double than he had before. Got the same wife, but he got double other stuff. <laughs> Am I making sense? So, so here's what we've got to do. When we're, we're not experiencing it, we've got to still believe it. And the psalmist says this in Psalm 27. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's basically saying, even though I'm not experiencing it, I'm going to stay confident because it's coming. Now, let me explain to you how the goodness of God works. God doesn't usually give us everything we want at once. How many of you like chocolate cake? How's this for a chocolate cake? Do you know that God often doesn't give us a chocolate cake even though we pray for it? You know what he does? He gives us the ingredients. So what God says, uh, uh, you asked for it, you prayed for a chocolate cake? I've got good things in mind. Here's the flour. We're like, clap. Lord, haven't you heard me in Jesus' name? Then God says, okay, I'll speed it up. Here's the salt. Lord, I'm waiting on you. I'm trusting you. Jesus. Add 10 S's to the name of Jesus. Then God gives us eggs. Then we want to, we feel like we want to rich. But God is giving you the ingredients for a brilliant life. They might seem distasteful experiences that might seem slow in coming, like Joseph, but in the end, you make you prince of Egypt. The chocolate cake is coming. Don't despise the ingredients. You see, if you're not experiencing it, it doesn't mean he's not good. He's never changed. Don't let your experience rule you. Believe beyond your experience. Number eight, God is good even when other people don't think so. How many of other people don't think God's good? But you need to know he's good. Oh, I don't see God's goodness in the world. It's a matter of perspective. And don't let other people's opinion and their life experience take away what God's truth says. I'll tell you a quick story. There was a missionary to South America, ended up right in the southern tip of South America, Picton Island, a man called uh, Alan Gardner. 
And Alan Gardner is recorded to have ministered for, for many years, up to the age of 57, and had a lot of hardship, illness, uh, struggled financially, and uh, throughout his ministry, right up to the latter part of his life, was very, very difficult. And then in uh, 1851, at the age of 57, they found him up against a tree and he died. So they pick up his diary that's lying next to him and they page through it. And there are many entries about his loneliness, lack of food, starvation, um, physical sickness that went on, diseases he had. And then they look at the last entry and it's, it's all squiggled, you know, because it's, like it's like he's in his dying throes and he's, he's shaking. And this is what the last diary entry says. I'm overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. You see, it's not what you experience, it's what you know. Job, when he was covered in boils, knew who God was. Don't let your experience pull you down. Let the word of God elevate you out of your experience. And don't listen to what people say. No matter what life does, God is still good. Because he's got good plans. Number nine, we need to get done. The goodness of God is meant to draw us to him. Don't think that God is soft or weak. No, he's good so that you'll come to him. I remember when I was a late teenager and came to Christ. It was God's goodness that drew me. Romans 2 and verse 4. In, two trans, uh, in, in, in the Good News translation and the message paraphrase, surely you know that God is kind because he's trying to lead you to repent. But the, the message paraphrase says this, God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Wonderful, eh? So God's kindness is not to be messed with Oh, yeah, you know, God, God will be kind. No, no, don't take his mercy for granted. You'll end up with justice. But God's kindness is drawing you to him so that you can have a relationship with you so that you can bless him, so he can bless you. Isn't that true? God's kindness is, is, is a relationship builder. And we need to remember that, number 10. We're nearly done. Has this helped anyone today? His goodness is for those who want it. See, it's available, but if you don't want it, and so God says, come to me, I'm drawing you by my goodness, but you've got to want it. You've got to want it, you've got to desire it. Brennan Manning is an American author, and as we wrap up in a moment, he said this, he said, a saint is not someone who is good, but who experiences the goodness of God. Have you experienced it? I'm not, you know, today you could be in church, oh, I, need to, I need to be good. No, no, you, must, you need to experience the goodness of God. Actually, when you do, then you will be good because you respond in love. But God wants you to want his goodness. His goodness is what he gave in Christ. You say, well, I'm not good enough. No, way back in the Old Testament already, as we, as we move to a close, notice here what Hezekiah prayed in 2 Chronicles 30. He says, may the Lord who is good, he's asking God, pardon everyone, who sets their heart on seeking God. Can you see if you set your heart on God, then you experience his goodness. And he says that the Lord, the God of our ancestors, I love this, even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And it says, and the Lord heard Hezekiah and he healed the people. What Hezekiah is saying is, when, if people who would come and, and, and desire your goodness, even if they're not perfect, let them, let them receive your goodness and let them receive your healing. And that's what God sent in Jesus. He sent his son who is good to show his goodness. And if you desire him, even if you're not perfect, bam, your life gets changed. Isn't God good? He's wonderful. He doesn't cause us to jump through hoops. He gives us such wonderful grace. 
We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.